Welcome to the Marketing Science Podcast, the podcast for sales and marketing professionals working within science, engineering, and healthcare. Don't forget to subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or your favorite podcast player. If you'd like to learn more information about how to run a scientific podcast, visit azonetwork.com slash podcasts. Our guest today is Jeff Davison, who is the CEO of BioNow, a specialist network for biomedical, pharma, and life sciences sectors. You can sign up for the BioNow Awards or find out more information at bionow.co.uk. Jeff, thank you for coming on the Marketing Science Podcast. We're here to talk about the life sciences industry, about everything that's happened in 2020. To start off, could you tell us a bit more about BioNow and the objective of what you set out to do when you started it all those years ago? Our objective is really to bring people together, to connect them, network them across the sector, specifically across the north of England. All of our activities are really aimed at helping people connect and collaborate together to power innovation, really. And so that's that's what we do, and we do that in a range of ways. So you mentioned collaboration. How important is collaboration nowadays, thinking about everything we've been through in 2020 and the importance of working together towards a common goal? How do you view that? Yeah, I mean, it's more important than ever. I think I mean, the whole COVID outbreak has really made it more difficult to collaborate and connecting now is harder than it ever has been, but it's it's more important than ever. Looking at, say, the COVID vaccines, both the lead ones sort of named two organisations working together. So there's the Oxford University and AstraZeneca one, there's the BioNTech and Pfizer one. I mean, they're just the headlines really, aren't they? You know, there's many, many other organisations supporting and contributing to those vaccines. So everything from Phil Finish, to cleaner handling, minus 80 freezers, and even the vials and sort of containers packaging needed to get the vaccines to the patients. That's what we believe in by now, that it's really important to bring people together to share ideas because you get intellectual diversity, wider range of skills coming together on the challenge, and it just creates things that wouldn't be possible otherwise. And we've got our awards shortly, and that full of collaborations it is every year and i'm sure it will be this year so you know we've worked really hard on that through the covid pandemic bringing people together and getting our digital events platform up and running Uh, we've also changed the format for our events to put big pieces of networking sessions in amongst those days so we've tried to bring that together i think to just to drive collaboration Uh, i think there's a bit of a general view that it's pretty hard to do networking online effectively i sort of understand that but i think if you put yourself out your comfort zone and dive into some of this online stuff that's out there it can be very productive and produce results you mentioned the BioNow awards there so i think it was there in 2019 it would have been last december wouldn't it 400 people in a room from various sub-industries within life sciences, healthcare, biotech. Can you just tell us a bit more about BioNow and what the plans are for, is it February 2021? Yeah, that's right. 400 people is usually all black tie in a room at at Mir in Cheshire. And um, obviously that's not going to happen this year, unfortunately. But it's the 19th year that the BioNow Awards have run. And the sector's been massively productive through this pandemic and been at the centre of innovation. And so it's really important that we run these events again this year. We were more committed than ever to do that. 
So lots of innovation going on still. Uh, we want to recognise that and we will recognise that, yeah, both COVID and non-COVID related. I think they deserve recognition and shine a spotlight on them. So we've got 11 award categories for all comers, so there's something for everyone. And in addition, we've got our uh, special award this year, the response to COVID-19 category. We thought it was particularly important to uh, recognise that. So we've got something really special on the 4th of uh, February. Uh, we'll have a fun and interactive digital awards ceremony. And um, just while we're talking about the awards, Frank, I'd really like to give a shout out to the award sponsors who have all agreed to sponsor, obviously, in this difficult time and sponsor awards again. And that's made the awards possible. And I think that really speaks volumes about how they regard the sort of life science sector. Could you give us a bit more of a, an explanation about what does a virtual award ceremony look like in comparison to a uh, you know a live in-person event? It looks different from the usual. Lots of people in black tie and nice dresses in a, in a big room. But um, we're keen to sort of bring uh, the benefits of, of Zoom and uh, digital platform to have a big networking aspect of the awards. So uh, we're going to go with a platform called Remo, which is quite a cool on online platform where people could join join the meeting and can move around tables on 10 floors so can have up to 500 people moving around and then when the awards ceremony will come into that room and there's a stage and they watch the awards ceremony take place on the screen we hope that um, we've got a loyal following of people who've been to the Biennale Awards, some of them 19 years on the run. So, you know, we think it's a, a real opportunity to, to really drive some networking at one of these digital events. So it'll be a fun evening, lots of celebration of people winning awards and hopefully uh, enhanced somewhat by having this online networking platform, which isn't always possible in a, you know, when you're having a big dinner, you know, you can't really move from table to table so easily. So, you know, we're quite excited about that this year and we think it'll be a, uh, you know, an enha- a different but an enhanced event. Excellent. I'm looking forward to it already. An intriguing concept and I presume that you, you turn up with the right attitude that you want it to work and you, you want to network with people. So you, you mentioned some of the logistical challenges as well as some of the innovation you're seeing within the industry. How big are the logistic challenges of trying to ensure that a supply chain of minus 80 can support a vaccine? Have you got any insight on some of the stories from member organizations? Not necessarily specifically about the minus 81, but um, in terms of the logistics of getting any vaccine app scale, you know, I mean, we're talking massive scale. We're talking something that's never been done really before. We, we are aware of members that have been uh, working with the UK Vaccines Task Force, uh, which is a grouping of, of businesses that was established to look at this whole, you know, how do you go from concept not only to regulated product, but manufactured and delivered to the patient product. You know, members like Cobra Biologics and Keel and Fujifilm Diacent Biotechnologies in Billingham have both been involved in that. Another aspect we saw really was um, where we worked with the Medicines Discovery Catapult early on in the uh, pandemic, who were setting up the Lighthouse Lab at Alderley Park. And this is a lab that is one of two or three around the UK that's um, basically doing the COVID testing. And, uh, you know, and again, a massive logistical challenge to go from we don't have a COVID test to we want to do mass testing in a, a very short space of time. And when they were setting that up back at the start of the pandemic, we worked with the Medicines Discovery Catapult, who established that lab to ask our members 
members to volunteer to staff the facility or you know even to donate PCR machines and other equipment and the response was absolutely amazing there was people loaning equipment worth literally hundreds of thousands of pounds and others putting their lab coats on and, and getting into the lab to help out earlier this week I saw that that lighthouse lab at Aldley Park is now processing a million tests a month that's just staggering and again that imagine the, the logistical challenges around not only staffing that but getting the reagents there getting the getting all the samples in processed out results out and getting rid of the waste at the end of the day it's just remarkable so it's been great it's been amazing what the sector's done and how it's stepped up really it all comes back to scientific collaboration enhances in the way we communicate collaborate together it took decades previously to figure out vaccines for things like measles mumps and rubella but now it, it's taking months instead of decades which speaks volumes to how far we've come as the human race Absolutely. A regulatory system as well has been, that's really stepped up and um, used digital technologies and real-time analysis of the data to to really move that forward. And we hope that some of the lessons learned as to how you do that can be taken forward as we get beyond the COVID vaccine. And obviously that's been probably eye-wateringly expensive as well but you know if it de-risks the sort of end result the speed to market for the organization getting that then they will bear that cost i mean it potentially gives the uk a real um, usp going forward especially as we head towards the brexit deadline well needed usp so what do you think gives us that edge over equally well-resourced markets you know, our market is smaller, so we're not as not as attractive as a, as a large market, but we're small enough to join all the relevant parties together. You can cut through bureaucracy a little bit easier, maybe, because it's a single country. They would argue that's what they've been able to do. Whether they've done that effectively all the way through, probably not. But in, in terms of the speed to approval and also meeting the scientific rigor that you need to do, I think that's by having all the right people, all the right organizations, all collaborating together to a single goal of, of getting that vaccine approved and safely to the patients. Excellent. So coming back to bio now, actually, what opportunities do, do you as an organization provide which help enable companies and individuals to further their, their success within the industry? Well, um, we've got a wide range of events. They are highly focused on bringing people together and introducing people together, linking people so they can do business together. We also give them a platform to spread the word about successes or the products or services as well. And these often focus on subsectors like antimicrobial resistance, oncology, precision medicine, and pharma manufacturing. Others are sort of more general in their nature. So the Kabaya conference, which is aimed at supporting companies to raise the investment they need to take their products and services forward. We've got the Buy Now Awards, which we've already talked about, which are uh, ultimately the best opportunity to shine a light on achievements for you know for companies. And in addition to our events portfolio, the, the Buy Now team are you know really experienced. They know a lot of people, and they're available to our members for advice or connections or targeted introductions to other parts of our network. We also provide opportunities for our members to promote themselves and raise the company or individual's profile across the North and wider UK through our news platform and a whole range of other things like podcasts and our webinars that we do. I mean, there's lots of ways for companies to get involved and it depends on what the company needs, but we're really flexible and we work with our members to get them involved and also help them get advantage of being part of our network and our membership. You mentioned the BioNow Awards there. Are there any particular stories or companies that you'd, you'd like to shine a, a particular light on? 
Yeah, I mean, there's so many over 19 years, there's probably getting on, you know, 150 awards out there. And, and that's one of the things that we do see when we used to visit member companies' uh, offices and stuff is it's really nice to see the, the trophies, you know, shown in the entrance or the reception to, to the winners. It is something people value. They get a lot out of it. Some good examples over the years are uh, F2G, who are a antifungal firm based, it's just outside Manchester Eccles, and um, they won an award last year year for um, both development of a novel antifungal uh, agent, which is a real sort of need in the conditions where it really is life-threatening. And they won an award for that last year, but they also, in previous years, won uh, awards for their fundraising activities, of, um, which they've raised tens of millions to fund their development uh, over the years and from a really global investor base. Another winner that comes to mind is uh, Sky Medical Technology, who have got a gecko device, which is uh, basically a little uh, electronic device that can be fastened on a patient's leg and it, and it uses a, just a little bit of electrical pulse to stimulate the muscles in the leg and that stops the formation of DVT, deep vein from thrombosis in patients who spend a bit of time immobilized in bed. When they won the award, they said it significantly helped them to identify distributors for their technology and to raise their profile of their device and, and get into new markets. And we do that. The, the award winners are all promoted through press and talked about in various forums and this year another advantage will be that we'll have it on video so we'll be able to use that and raise their profile even further. So you mentioned about putting people on the map there I suppose that leads on to the financing side of, of things. How has financing been affected by such a tumultuous year um, this year? We've just hosted our annual Biocap conference uh, digitally. That event is specifically focused on attracting life science investment into the north. I mean, we've been running that for about, I think it's seven years now. And it was hard at the start to try to get London and European-based investors to sort of consider coming to the north. And that's got a lot easier over the years as they widen their sort of sphere of research. This year, though, we attracted a lot of investors about 70 I think we had which is about the same as we normally do but it was a much wider geography than usual so th there's definitely an appetite to invest and definitely an interest in the north at the event there was a fairly positive vibe investors were still looking to make deals and companies have been closing funding rounds despite the pandemic I think it's fair to say there's probably a period at the start things stalled and then everyone as, as we all did got on with things and started to use the technologies that are available to try to do their business so deals are happening investors have got an appetite and there's funds out there i think the real challenge and the thing that came out of the discussions at biocap are doing deals where investors don't already know the investee or the company or know someone who knows them i think forming a totally new investor investee relationship virtually is quite difficult and that's the impression i got and you know the due diligence is a bit more challenging as well because you can't pop to the lab or the office and see that it's a real you know building and there's real people in it and stuff but um there were a couple of deals mentioned that the events were that had been completed in that way they'd done due diligence by zoom or, or whatnot i think we see an increased appetite for the sector you know everyone knows about life sciences now where maybe they didn't before so much so i think that will bring greater investment into the sector in 2021 and especially as face-to-face -face meetings hopefully become more feasible again and we can get over that boundary of challenges of forming relationships. So a couple of points there. Number one, why is the north of England a leading life science location? Why has it grown into the, into the, the global stage? 
And secondly, is that financial capital coming from the north or is it coming from elsewhere outside the UK? I mean, in a nutshell, we've got a lot to offer here in the north. Really well connected ecosystem. Lots of innovative companies and with highly talented, skilled people. So couple this with relatively low facilities and staffing cost base. Any investment made will go further than in some other places. I think that investors who may have, when you're thinking of the UK, primarily thought of Oxford, Cambridge, London, that's where we'll go and make our investments. That's become pretty overheated. The deals are harder to find. The the valuations are higher. Uh, There's a lot of competition. You know, naturally, they will look elsewhere. There's organizations like uh, Epidarex, who are we're one of the presenters at our uh, conference. They are focused on bringing big funds outside of the Golden Triangle and, and finding the real subclusters of science. And a number of those are in the north. And, you know, we've got a great university base, great R&D coming out of the universities, highly skilled people being generated from those. And actually, we met a lot of that talent. So a recent online careers fair that we did, the quality of the students blew me away. And uh, where does the money come from? Historically, it has been largely from smaller local funds that have often been financed by the public sector. And and that is still the case. You know, the British Business Bank and others are big sort of supporters of the sector outside of, of certainly up in the north. You know, we had investors from Amsterdam and Tel Aviv and Edinburgh all presenting as, as keynotes at Biocap. And some of those were big corporates like uh, Merck Ventures. Some were private VC funds like A-Star. But one, we wouldn't have got them at a physical event because the travel involved would have probably precluded that. And um, two, they wouldn't have previously probably been as interested as they are now. So it's coming from both, I think, and, and a wider geography, which is which is fantastic. Superb. So breaking down the barriers and really harnessing the benefits of global access to capital now because anybody can tune in, which is a benefit when you look at it that way. So you mentioned there about the student fair. Tell us a bit about the talent on show. Why, why were you blown away by the talent? I think we've got about 20 universities involved in BioNow now. And some of them came on specifically because we were running this life science careers fair. And historically, we've been involved in activities that each of those universities have done. We've gone and given talks about the opportunities in in life science companies and what it might look like to have a career in, in those types of companies. Obviously, they're not running at the minute with how we are. We can't go and do those big meetings. So we felt that going online gave us a real opportunity to try to reach out to a a much wider geography and and audience. And so we basically joined up our 20 university members and sponsors across the north and actually into Edinburgh and Scotland and offered their students the opportunity to come along to over three days to a series of company presentations, which we themed into the different subsectors, you know, diagnostics and drug discovery and development, et cetera. And they got to, to understand a little bit about the opportunities that you can find in a life science company, what it's like to work there, what are the sort of tasks they might be expected to do, how might they progress, etc. And obviously it worked because we wouldn't have got to 900 students and we wouldn't have been able to, you know, expose those to 40 different companies in a physical event. So that that was a real success and that worked really well. The thing that really blew me away was the engagement of the students. They, they were all asking questions. They were all asking really interesting questions. They were switched on. They were sort of active on, you know, on, on the digital platforms. They wanted to find out more. They were uh, really clued into what they need to do to develop their transferable skills and non-academic skills. 
generation z coming through i know when when i've been on coffee breaks or webinars or whatever people might be a bit reluctant to put their neck out there or, or step out and, and ask a question but I can imagine with younger people who are more comfortable with the technology that doesn't happen so much you run a lot of webinars and coffee breaks and virtual events to encourage collaboration and networking. What tips have you got for someone who maybe is rocking up to their first coffee break or their first small event? What would you say to someone in order to get the most out of it? I mean, I think it's sticking your neck out. And if you're going along to an online networking event, there are benefits in it for you. There will be someone there who can either use your service or product or expertise or has the expertise or a product or service that you could probably use. Go with the right attitude. And that is, you know, don't be embarrassed. Don't be afraid to put forward questions. It's no different from face-to-face networking, really. I think it's actually easier and it's an easier step forward into that world. And there's a lot of benefits to be had. And the coffee break itself has been amazing. It's something, as you know, Frank, we started right at the start of the the lockdown. And it was a real uh, support structure that um, I found incredibly useful to hear what were the challenges people were, you know, finding. Find out that I wasn't alone. We were all in it together. And there was lots of business done there was lots of tips tricks you know how to open a lab under lockdown conditions where to buy certain supplies what are the challenges coming down the supply chain etc it's been incredibly interesting and it just shows you that just that online chat and networking can, can really help yeah i found it comforting even in sort of wider management issues like i, I didn't know what furlough meant until april this year when it when it got discussed in a, a bio now coffee meeting even like holidays if your employees are accruing loads of holidays you know they don't really want to spend them so that they can sit at home and do nothing in the middle of winter <laughs> so we found that quite useful because other companies were saying well we're, we're letting them move holidays over the next two years you know it's shown a bit of flexibility looking after your employees good things to pick up on you know, look after them both long term, but also short term and through through the pandemic, which, as we've discussed, sitting in your home office day after day can be quite isolating. You know, just having a chat with a group of people, whether you get any business out of it or not, is, is hugely beneficial. And, and as you've just pointed out there, there's always someone who can help you with what does that mean or how are you handling that? It was, it was great. And um, uh, we've got our sort of final one of the year next week. Hopefully we'll see some of the old faces from earlier on in the year, but also some new ones as well. And so it should be a, a good wrap up for the year. Excellent. And it will continue into the new year as well, I take it, into 2021. Yeah, we will keep it going, absolutely. In the north of England, what's been your number one success story of companies that you've you've worked with? Um, I think Kyogen in Manchester, a, a particular example of a company that we've known since uh, since they started, actually. And Kyogen in Manchester was originally a spin-out of uh, AstraZeneca called DXS. A small number of guys uh, established a, a small company, grew it, were eventually acquired by Kyogen. They went on to form other companies. One of them is Prometha, uh, which is another successful company. And Kyogen have continued to invest and grow that business in Manchester that, and um, have recently announced a big investment in Manchester to grow that into the City Labs 2 development in, in Manchester. Evatech, another small spin-out company, acquired another small spin-out company, which was a spin-out of Manchester University. They do antimicrobial contract research. They've grown and they're now moved to Aldley Park and they're a real 
real success story. And uh, companies like Quantum DX over in uh, Newcastle, diagnostics business, um, developing point-of-care diagnostic platform. They've been a great company. They moved up to Newcastle, actually, from, uh, I think it was London. And the guy who uh, founded the company is from South Africa originally. So showing how the, the North can attract companies to come in. They've been really successful, raised a lot of money, and um, hopefully about to launch a, a COVID diagnostic on the market. The only other one I'd that comes to mind really is um, Advanced Medical Solutions down in Winsford. They're a wound care company, organically grown, several hundred people now, a multinational trading company, you know, a really solid and fantastic business and another recipient of buying our awards over the years. Superb. You mentioned City Labs and Oldley Park and up in Newcastle is the Helix Centre. How important is it as a company, I think is it Bruntwood SciTech that own the, the Daresbury and the City Labs from Manchester ones? How, how important are, are those companies? Brunt would have been in supporting the life science sector for many years and it's really important to have the right facilities provided in the right places and they are the real nucleus for the sector across the north so you talked about Brunwood SciTech Manchester Science Partnerships in Manchester we've also got the Nexus in Leeds in Liverpool they're called SciOnTech and again that's recently become part of the Brunwood SciTech family so having those sort of hubs that are real catalysts for growth and activity and help that sort of collaboration take place bring people together and enhance those businesses even further so uh, you know really important that they're there we've got sort of presence at all of those places we've got hot desks or touch points or even a small office at a couple of those just because that's the place you need to be in to understand what's going on and to get to help the businesses grow fantastic and what role does Midas play? Midas have been instrumental in helping us move into Manchester. We're originally an Australian company. But what role does Midas play in terms of the inward direct investment? You know, Midas are uh, one of the leading organisations of their type. They've been one of our members since we started. We have a, a, a range of schemes with them now. We've even, I think we've started to offer free membership for their virtual offering that they're trying to get off the ground to encourage more companies in. And, and obviously that's what you need to do. You need to spin out your own companies in, in these locations, but you also need to attract new experience, new new expertise in and, and you know, getting companies like yourself into that mix, uh, you know, ASO, having them there to support the growth of companies with, you know, as I said, that diversity of experience from other markets is, is absolutely crucial. So, you know, Midas do a great job and, you know, it's a challenging time, I think, at the minute, as, as it will be to, to attract companies in. You know, we've had COVID, we've got Brexit, but they've been working really hard and it really adds to the cluster, the work they do and the companies they attract. But we're still standing and we'll soldier on, no doubt. What does the future of life sciences in the UK and the north of England, uh, how, how does that look over the next three to five years? I'm an optimist about this, not about everything, but about this at the minute. You know, very positive. I think the future looks like, as I've said a couple of times, unfortunately, we have the end of the transition period looming. Brexit is something our companies are worried about, closely following and, and preparing to navigate. So, We've got some challenges to overcome, but the fundamentals are strong. We've got a highly skilled workforce, great research, great facilities, and good access to capital and increasing access to capital. So I think if you couple that with the pandemic having highlighted the importance of this sector to the nation, and whilst life sciences was strategically important prior to this, and there was the life science strategy and stuff, I think its position has really been further enhanced in the eyes of policymakers and government. You know, I, I think the future is rosy, and, and I, I look forward to the future future and continued growth of the sector excellent 
Thanks a lot for your time, Jeff. No problem. It's good. Enjoyed it. A big thank you to Jeff there. And you can find out more information about signing up to the BioNow Awards at bionow.co.uk. Next week, I'll be joined by Dr. Neil Dando, the president of PitCon, as PitCon continue their quest for global scientific collaboration with their first ever fully digital PitCon experience. We'll see you there.